To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch box? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's happening, guys? Got a brand new Eastman's Elevated for you. So this week on the podcast, I have Hunter McWaters from the Hunter's Quest podcast. Uh, so Hunter had me on his podcast. We just had a great conversation. And uh, so I thought it'd be good to get him on Eastman's Elevated and chat. So um, he's an East Coaster that travels out West every season. And he's just immersed in the game, uh, 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 learning and becoming better and a great human being. So, uh, man, we just had a fascinating conversation all about hunting the West. So, uh, we'll get right into it. I just want to thank a couple of my sponsors. I want to thank Savage Arms. I am so impressed by these Savage rifles. I built this new 6.5 Creedmoor that is so accurate. Uh, it's just this this out-of-the-box accuracy. I think I had that thing sighted in and perfect within a few shots. And then I could even shoot out to distance. I think I shot some 300-yard groups with it. Uh, but just an amazing rifle. Uh, so they have a bunch of different models to fit your price point or your preferences. I know the guys at the office really like the 110 Ultralight. Um, man, it's just a, a super rifle that comes with an Accu stock where you can adjust the comb height or length of pole. So you're really like customizing this rifle uh, to fit your exact size. They also have an Accu trigger that you can adjust yourself. So most shooters like a lighter trigger. Uh, they seem like they get a better pull, a more accurate shot with it. So you can adjust that your, yourself with these Savage Arms. So uh, incredible rifles. My buddies uh, that are shooters and tournament shooters just say that these Savage uh, come right out of the box, super accurate. So if you're in the market for a new rifle, make sure to check out Savage. I also want to thank Outdoor Edge Knives. Uh, Outdoor Edge Knives builds a replaceable blade knife, and, and these things have, are amazing. They've changed the game for me as far as processing. Uh, once a, a blade gets dull, I can just change out the blade. I don't got to bring multiple knives and sharpeners uh, to butcher an elk. And then elk hides are so thick and heavy uh, that they just dull your knife blades. And so, you know, I can do an entire elk with a couple blades. I can do a deer with one blade. They're great for caping, great for processing and just super sharp, which I think is safer. I mean, we definitely have to be careful with these razor knives that we don't nick or hit ourselves, uh, but being able to use the sharpness of the blade to skin or to process instead of forcing it, I think is way safer. Uh, so if you're in the market for a new knife, make sure to check out Outdoor Edge. I also want to thank Cutter Stabilizers, my buddy Earl Stroll. Uh, man, he's just a, a, a bow hunter like you and I has worked side jobs and came up with this business, but he's taken these stabilizers to the next level. He's involved all the connections of it. He's so thorough in the process of, of building these things and evolving them to the best stabilizer you can get. So they're carbon fiber which is a, a small diameter, which cuts the wind really well, small weights that don't catch the wind. Uh, he also has out his sidebar bracket. 
So this is to put a front bar and a sidebar on. Uh, it's taken a page out of the tournament archers, and I've been using sidebars for about the last 10 years, and they just really help with the hold and also with the reaction of the bow. Uh, so you couldn't get better stabilizers out there. Uh, Cutter has all different sizes. They have the weights, that sidebar bracket. If you're in the market for new stabilizers, make sure to check out my man Earl Stroll with Cutter. Over there at Eastman's, we've got that live event coming up. So it's going to be July 20th. It's going to be in Herber City, Utah at Fieldcraft Survival. You can go and get tickets at Fieldcraft Survival. I'll be speaking there. Dan Bacar, some of the other Eastmans uh, will be speaking there. And then we'll be available to chat after the show as well. Um, so we're going to try to bring you some some good pertinent information on Western hunting. I know our talk last year was on elk. In fact, I have a meeting today uh, about that live event and what we want to talk about. So I'll make sure to let you guys know. We talked about elk last year, but then I know I did answer a bunch of mule deer questions after we were done in the question and answer portion. But Fieldcraft Survival in Herber City, you can go to their website, pick up tickets. Uh, love to see you guys there. We also have uh, some Beyond the Grids dropping. So some of you guys may have caught my High Country show. I think you could watch it through Tag Hub or it's, it seems like there was a link through Instagram where guys were watching it. But um, yeah, we're going to do a full release here on Beyond the Grid, which is our internet TV show. You can search Eastman's Hunting TV and find it there. Uh, I believe we're launching it this coming weekend. So it's the 29th now. So I think like right around July 1st or should be out by July 4th. Super proud how it came out. Uh, just shows the adventure of the mountains and going for it. Uh, so, uh, yeah, super proud at, at the footage and um, uh, the final product. So make sure to check that out as well. And let's see, gosh, what else? Got got like a million things going right now. Uh, I've been um, filming some things and some pieces this summer. Been doing those Western hunting summits, which are amazing. Got some good podcasts coming up for you guys there. And um, yeah, just um, uh, gonna get to my scouting here uh, this coming weekend. Gonna gonna head out and start um, looking around for some moose and. Um, uh, start getting uh, some longer runs in, and, and the mountains are starting to open up. Muleys have their full horn growth, or not their full horn growth, but at least by July I can tell what they are, so start doing some muley scouting. And um, thanks for the questions on the house. House is coming good. Got all the walls framed up. Uh, got some stamped and colored concrete poured the other day. Having to pull off for some other projects, but should set these trusses in the next week or two. So I'm looking good to having this roof on and dried in here for hunting season and um, can work away on kind of the siding and roofing and get the subs in there. So, uh, man, things are going good. Showed my house yesterday. So a lot of big changes for the Barney family. But, um, yeah, we're, we're going full tilt. I, th I think every year I add more and more to my schedule. And uh, I'm about maxed out this summer. But um, keep getting things done. Keep working towards hunting season. Going to have some time here coming up. And, um just building the life I want to live. So it's all a good thing. Um, feel super fortunate just to have the opportunity. So, uh, man, let's get into this podcast. Hunter McWaters from uh, the Hunter's Quest podcast. I'm your host, Brian Barney, Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. For sure, man. It's crazy. So, but other than that, man, yeah, doing good. You just got back from Hawaii, right? Yes, yes. It was a sweet trip, man. Just a bunch 
uh, like a, a great group of guys, a bunch of fun. Um, yeah, man, it was insane. That's awesome, dude. I want to do that trip sometime. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a really cool one. The it, the the islands themselves, the the habitat, you know, whether you're hunting jungle or, you know, they have some dry lands too, uh, big lava mm-hmm. rock canyons, like all the terrain is so cool. And then the species themselves, like those axis deer are so switched on and, and the mouflons mm-hmm. even more so, you know, so they're really, really crazy challenging. And it's kind of like antelope hunting where the only reason you're able to kill one is because you get a bunch of chances at them, you know, you screw. <laughs> <laughs> up here and there but i was looking at the success board uh uh and they did um 250 tags the week before we got there and out of those 250 i think they killed 26 rams so it runs about 10 wow. percent success rate and um our camp did seven for eight for mature rams which was wow. pretty killer now that success rate is that all archery or both all archery Okay. Yeah. Is it an archery only type hunt? Um, it is. The the one I went on was archery only. They do have rifle seasons for about the next sixteen weeks that they do. Okay. Well, yeah, man. Hats off to you guys for getting it done with the bow, man. That's that's killer. Oh man, the bow is um uh such a great challenge. Like it's so humbling. It's so difficult, you know. It, it's <laughs> yeah. it, like sometimes it just seems like mission impossible, you know. Like you, yeah, it does. Like you're not even like it. There, like there isn't even a chance of me arrowing an elk or arrowing a buck. It's just too difficult. Like the conditions won't allow it. But eventually, you keep putting in effort, and something will come together. Yeah, man, that's. I mean, it's hard enough shooting with a rifle. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yep, absolutely. All right, well, let's get started off. You're pro at this. We just need to get rolling. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm live here. I've got my buddy Hunter. Uh, Hunter runs um, the Hunter's Quest podcast, and uh, he had me on his podcast a while back, and so we thought we'd connect and get him on Eastman's Elevated. So how's it going, Hunter? It's going great, man. It's going great. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, good to talk to you again. Yeah, so what's it like being a podcast host? Oh, man, it's fun. I mean, like, you just, I said this before, but it's like, you know, you're creating content, but you're just getting to have these hour-long conversations, um, and you just learn so much, and just also just making new friends and connections through it. You know, I'm out here on the East Coast, so I have a lot to learn about um, hunting out west and um, just being able to have conversations with guys like you and, um, you know, Dan Staten and Lampers and Brian Call and, you know, Adam Weatherby, just all these awesome guys and just just learning and uh, and making connections. It's been it's been really, really fun, man, and enlightening. So, um, yeah, I love it. Yeah, it it is the perks of the job, isn't it? It's like uh, we are creating content or putting these conversations out, but I think I get as much from it as anybody else gets. You know, I get to learn from other people and um, uh, learn from their trials and tribulations. And like, you know, the best teacher is experience. But if like you can cut the learning curve before you get there, or if you can get for sure these thoughts or these ideas from other successful hunters that say, hey, I Oh, by the way, I use a decoy, and when I, I, you know, I don't decoy them in, but I sneak in close and I pop up the decoy, and it buys me a few extra seconds. You know, there's like this light bulb that goes off. Like, man, I yeah. could, I could use that in my hunting. Or, you know, you talk to somebody that likes to stalk 
bucks when they're up on their feet or when they're in their bed or whatever it is like there's more than one way to skin a cat and like mm-hmm. the the more information you can take in the more information you have to draw from like like the the better you can be in the field when you are getting your experiences like you get to cut the learning curve absolutely and you know they say like you know you're the sum of the five people you hang out with most or whatever and so you know, coming from out here, um, it's Western hunters are very few and far between. You might, you know, run into a guy here or there that, you know, has been out West once or wants to or something, but, um, you know, you don't get to really rub shoulders, you know, with guys that are super experienced elk hunters or, you know, antelope hunters or whatever. Um, and, and, you know, just not being raised around it. So being able to use the technology to connect with guys like you, um, is just super valuable. So, um, that's the coolest thing about it. Like you said, just building that network and learning. Cause, um, there's a lot to it, especially when, um, not only are you doing, you know, new species and new terrain and all that, but also you're adding in, um, all the knowledge and gear that you need in terms of just being, um, able to do backcountry style hunts and, you know, backpacking and, um, even down to just like starting a fire when you're freezing cold and soaking wet in a teepee, you know, like, um, and you can't really learn that stuff necessarily, like you said, from talking, but, um, listening to podcasts like Eastman's elevated, um, when I was just starting out was such a great resource. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's been good. Man, it's amazing to hear what, um, what difference does, what differences do you see in, in Western hunters that you don't see, uh, where you're at? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just, you know, of course, you know, you can't make blanket statements. I mean, there are, um, how do I phrase this nicely? You know, there's all different types of hunters, even out West. Right. Um, so, but, you know, for the most part, the style of hunting that I'm kind of drawn to, this kind of backcountry stuff, and it's just such a immersive experience. Um, and there's nothing wrong with coming home and grabbing your stuff and, and heading out and jumping in a tree stand. I still like doing that, too. Um, but when you're in the backcountry for 10 days, um, it's a totally different experience. And as you know, and most of the listeners know, I mean, you got to have your gear right dialed, got to have your woodsmanship skills, you know, you got to be physically fit, um, you know, mentally tough, um, just to hang in there, you know, when stuff gets rough, like it normally does. (laughs) Um, so I would say it's just, there's just, like I said, there's just a lot more to it. And I don't want to like sound like I'm, I'm bashing, you know, whitetail hunters or anything like that. Cause that's, that's me as well. Um, but I would say, you know, Western hunters on, on the whole, from what I've seen, seem to be very much more with their gear in terms of, um, being really good archers like yourself or guys who are into, you know, precision rifle stuff. Um, I mean, some of the rifles I see guys hunting with out West are like, PRS guns, you know, and like I come from just, you know, I would, you know, I might shoot uh, my my granddad's old 3030 or something. There's nothing wrong with that, um, but I think guys are much more in tune with their weapons, their gear. Um, obviously, I think physical fitness plays a much larger role uh, in it, just because of the nature of packing in and mountains and whatnot. Um, 
So some of the those are some of the big differences I see. Um, it's it's almost yeah, and just cultural too. You know, um, it's just a different culture out west, which is something I'm kind of learning as I go. <laughs> yes, Westies. <laughs> that's so yeah. funny. Uh, that's a, a great answer to a really tough question. That was uh, diplomatic. And there, you're right. There's like um, all these different skill sets, no matter where you hunt or what you do. And they're, you know, you guys hunting whitetails is an absolute chess game. And it's like, uh, uh, it, it, it's a, you know, it's it's more putting your time in, being in the stand, and you have to, like, yeah. outthink and outwit, and they live in small areas. It, it's just a, a different skill set is why I asked the question. Yeah. But um, they, they still sure. uh, very good hunters, very intelligent hunters. And, and like you say, they have to be good, but a lot of uh, good shots, but a lot of those shots come closer, you know. So uh, mm-hmm. Western hunting is, is, like, the ultimate challenge. And so it requires, like, the ultimate discipline and hard work like you you have to live a bow hunting lifestyle you have to constantly work on improving your skills and improving your fitness and your knowledge base and and you've mentioned it a couple times just your wood sense like um there's Mm -hmm. a a basic wood sense or uh an advanced wood sense that you need just to be out west just to keep yourself safe there's so many dangers out there and 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 to have those that basic skill set takes years to to grow into to gain the confidence to disappear deep in the wilderness and make the right decisions so just like you said like um a building a fire in wet terrain like if you've never done it before haven't done it uh you know when you're freezing cold and um it's mm-hmm. absolutely necessary. Like you have to get one going. It, it it's a different challenge. And you know, back in my early yeah. days, I mean, I can remember waking up in my tent in the middle of the night, and it was a night that it got like well below zero, like ten, twenty below. And I was in a pup tent with Jeez. a Walmart sleeping bag. Like I didn't have <laughs> any of the right gear. I was so green to it. And and I remember waking up in the middle of the night and having to get a fire started because I was so cold. I was actually dreaming that I was dying in my dream. Oh, my gosh. And I just woke up so cold, and I I wasn't, and I was able to get up and make a fire. But it wasn't like I snapped my fingers and made a fire. It was like no. I had 20, 30, 40 minutes into it uh, starting over with fresh sticks, and we had got a, a, a bunch of wet snow. And, uh, like, it, it really made me realize how tough a fire can be to build. And so yeah. you're right. You like have to build all these skills and you have to be really committed to the game. And that's just to get yourself, get yourself in the game. Like that's not even to win and, you know, to arrow a a nice big muley buck. Like that's just, uh, that's just surviving the bar for entry. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think I probably would have died. Like, like (laughs) being from Virginia, like I don't even know what negative 10 feels like. I'm, I'm kind of scared, uh, (laughs) for I'm heading to Montana for general deer, but I'll be all right. But, um, yeah, man. I mean, again, not not knocking whitetail hunting. I still love it. I still do it. But like like you were saying before we recorded, I mean, um, you know, grabbing a bow and heading out in the early season after mule deer, you know, it's hard enough. Like I said, it's hard enough stalk, you know, spot and stalk hunting um, with a rifle. When you're talking about literally stalking an animal, like I watch, like I love the Western hunter, like Nate Simmons is like, kind of one of my heroes i guess he does a great um, job man just an awesome oh, dude, he's cool dude. yeah yeah he's cool man i met him at the expo too super nice guy um but um 
And Nate, if you're listening, I still want you to come on the podcast. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he does any social media, no. any podcast. Yeah, I, I had, asked him. I had lunch with him declined. one time. Did he? <laughs> uh, he's. Uh, you just said he was too busy, which I get. Yeah, I totally get it. True to the game, but, um, but great videos, and and everybody oh, yeah. has good things to say about him. I, uh, Remy Warren was saying what a good hunter he is as well. So yeah, just yeah. super good guy. Yeah. But I mean, just the, the challenge of that. So just where I am in my journey, um, you know, I haven't really done, I'm still so new that I'm kind of just like, I'm satisfied with just doing rifle hunts at this point. (laughs) Um, definitely I am a bow hunter. I killed my first deer with a bow and I was 14. So I've definitely killed my share of, of white tails with a bow and I love bow hunting. Um, but I figure, you know, there's such a steep learning curve already as it is. Plus I'm trying to film stuff. And that's why another hats off to you, self-filming a bow hunt. I can't even imagine, but, um, but yeah, there's just it, the challenge, um, and the physical challenge, the mental challenge, even the spiritual challenge. And uh, yeah, just, it's just crazy. Like to, to spot and stalk these animals with a bow and, um, even with a rifle, it's, it's a whole new level of challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Hunter, you're so spot on. Like it, it is. It's so challenging, no matter what season and what weapon you choose. And I think you're really smart for taking that on first. Like um, mm-hmm. coming out west, like you're spending a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of effort. Uh, you want to give yourself the best chance of success, and you also want to give yourself the best chance to to learn and gain that experience. And I, mm-hmm. I do that. That bow hunting, you know, there's there's levels to this game, and bow hunting uh, is 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 among the top of it. You know, or, or mm-hmm. uh, it, it it's just um it it is so difficult you know to yeah. arrow a good critter to put one down that um I gained a ton of experience rifle hunting in my younger years and really built me into the the hunter that I am I learned so much about the species uh learned so much about like late season elk hunting those and and, mm. and like you said that cold you're coming over for general rifle season this year that cold. It takes a different kind of toughness, man. It's, yeah. it's like it takes grit. It's a little bit different than that early season, you know. So um, mm-hmm. there, there's definitely no shortage of challenges no matter what weapon you come with. And, and rifle hunting comes with its own set of challenges that now gives me a great skill set for bow hunting. Like usually rifle hunts, there's more hunting pressure. And usually rifle yes. hunts – uh, you get crappy seasons, you know, you get, you get, yeah. you get seasons where like post rut bulls or you get seasons pre rut mule deer and, and you'll, mm-hmm. you'll be lucky in Montana this year is you do get a rut hunt with a rifle. Yeah, that is nice. But there's a lot of guys that do that hunt. And so they're right. high pressure. And so like you have all these different set of challenges that you have to figure out and you, you, you have to cross as they come up. And that's what a lot yeah. of Western hunting is, is problem solving. So I think you're really smart approaching it that way and um you know uh, eventually you know i'm I'm sure you'll want to take on some western bow hunts as well oh for sure yeah i mean and that's another good point you raised is like um that's something a lot of guys might not think about but that's a whole nother aspect of this whole game is just dealing with other people um because it's you know all the stuff that we're talking about really is is public land and i actually took your advice i don't even remember where i heard it it might have been like on the I don't remember. It was some podcast you did. You were a guest and you recommended starting off with antelope. And, um, and I did that last, yeah, last year or maybe it was two years ago. I get my years mixed up, but recently 
I think two years ago I did, you know, my, I'd done other Western hunts, but this is the first one where I was, I was the party organizer. I was leading it. I was helping, you know, some family members get their tags. And I was really like the main guy leading the show. And, um, and uh, we did rifle antelope in a easy draw unit in Wyoming, but, um, just, yeah, figuring out, you know, how to beat the pressure and how the antelope behave. And, um, but I just learned so much, um, on that trip. And that's, that's a great piece of advice that you gave. Um, a great way to start off Western hunting is just go do a fun, cool antelope hunt. And they're fun to hunt too. Oh dude. So fun to hunt. Um, good for you. Like being team leader and figuring out all that stuff. And really it, it, it comes down to you, you know, picking the spot and picking the unit. And, um, you know, yeah. there's a lot of responsibility on your shoulders, but it's good to start working through those logistics. Uh, it, sure. and then from there, you know, there, there's a bunch of other hunts you can do, but that's, um, that's how I started off too, you know, as antelope yeah. hunting, it's just such great experience and there's a lot of critters around. And, and, mm-hmm. and that's the deal too, is like the, the hunting pressure is such a, a major hurdle in Western hunting. Like if it was just you versus the animals and you had a giant private ranch and nothing against private ranches, like, um, you know, they're good hunting on there. Uh, but it, it's a different game. It's like you're, it you don't have to compete against anybody else. Uh, yeah. but when you're on public land, like there's a bunch of hardcore guys. And, and sometimes mm-hmm. it makes me wonder when I sit back and think of it because there's a bunch of guys that work really hard, a, gu- a bunch of great hunters, a bunch of great shots. And, like, sometimes I see the effort that guys are putting forth on some of these hunts. And, um, you know, it's like, well, well, what's the difference between these guys and me? Like, these guys yeah. are going hard, you know? And so, right. like, you have all these guys that are determined to try to find success. And, and, and somehow you got to go on this hunt find your own experience back in the woods. You got to go find your own critters, but I'd be lying if I didn't say that I, I expect pressure on every hunt and it's on my mind on every hunt, how to get away from the guys because the animals are always where the humans aren't. And so if you can solve that puzzle and be good at solving that problem, like you end up getting into game animals consistently. And, you know, it's probably one of my biggest secrets to my success is just knowing a lot about hunting pressure. Yeah. And that can be, to me, that's like one of the most, disheartening or like morale killers out there is like, you know, and you show up and there's just, just freaking parking lot of trucks, you know? And, um, cause I can deal with an animal burning me. I can deal with, you know, not being in a good spot and not seeing much or whatever, but like something about just, you know, kind of that competition, the other, like you said, the other guys, like some reason that just like deflates me. I don't know. Um, but on that, you know, it was, it was a high pressured hunt on that antelope hunt we did, but I mean, I took my cousin out there. Who's like a, you know, a casual hunter and he would have never done this, you know, on his own probably, but, um, was able to get him like his first Western, you know, big game animal. And then a few days later was able to, um, to get myself a nice about 70 inch buck and, it was just on a one point unit. Um, but yeah, something about that pressure, man. It's like, it's just, it, it, it's a, it's a wild card. It can, and it can, uh, it can be a little disheartening. It sure can. It, um, <laughs> you know, like attitude 
plays such a role on these hunts and you know you're gonna come up against hunting pressure you're gonna park at spots where there's a bunch of guys parked there you're gonna hike into basins and see guys over you're gonna see elk and see guys making a stock on them and blowing them out of country like it's part of it and and the better i get at hunting the better i can just flow with it like i can just like go okay there's guys here i gotta go the other way or, or i gotta move my camp or I just start believing that, you know, I have better vantage points in this place or I can stay more days or I start trying to spin it and look at the positive rather than the negative. But there That's is good. nothing more disheartening than seeing boot tracks or seeing guys. I just know that it, it doesn't make a difference how many guys in there. All the animals are still in the mountain range and those animals are going to mm-hmm. be where they're not getting pressured. So it's just my job to get in there and find it. But yeah, I mean, I remember doing this. Um, I really wanted to kill a high country buck in Montana. Now, we have a bunch of different terrain in Montana, but we're not known for our high country mule deer. And mm. uh, I fell in love with hunting high country mule deer in all these different states, and I really wanted one for Montana. So I started searching around, and I mean, I searched 10 different mountain ranges. And being a bow hunter, I have to find high populations of mule deer. Like, I have to get multiple chances. Yeah. I can't be looking for a unicorn because right. there's just no guarantee I can get it done on them. Now, you know, I do do – I I do do oh, – that isn't the <laughs> – I do uh, low population hunts and bigger critters, and I can take on that challenge. But really, I like uh, finding populations of critters and, and and having opportunity. But anyways, I, yeah. I had to search like 10 different mountain ranges – over the span of a few years before I finally found a mountain range that had good populations and mm. and also had uh, uh, like a really good genetics and good older age class bucks. And so, you know, that's where I was going to hunt. And so I started scouting this unit. And of course, I'm going in in July and August and there's no hunters in the mountains. You know, there's some backpackers here and there, but I pretty much have the mountains to myself and I'm watching these bucks and I'm making these grand plans for how I'm going to hunt these mule deer. And uh, I remember showing up to the trailhead a day before opener and I show up to the trailhead and I can't even park at the trailhead. There's got to be 50 (laughs) rigs in the parking lot lying down the road. And I've already scouted it and I've already like, this is where I'm going. And it's, there's all these guys and I'm running into guys on the trail, guys hiking in guys around their trip. There's guys everywhere, you know? And so, uh, I just dive in and I, I go forth with my game plan. I had a big North facer that, um, uh, it took me three attempts to make it to the top of it because it's so steep and I would get cliffed out. Like it's a real cliffy mountain range. And so I just played my game and I hunted hard and, I ended up being in there for seven days, chased some bucks around. I saw some guys early, but eventually, you know, I kind of felt like I had the mountains to myself. I found my own experience back there, and I found my own spot yeah. where I could just hunt these bucks. And and uh, uh, fortunate enough to arrow a buck day seven, day eight, and mm. um, packed out that buck as one of my best Montana bucks still to this day. And um, I packed out that buck, and I got back to that trailhead and walked down the trailhead down the road to my truck. And my <laughs> truck was the only truck in the parking lot. Oh wow! You just stayed. You just stayed longer and just just won. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's it's uh. never. 
That's cool, man. Yeah, I mean, we can play worst-case scenario in our head, and we can let it beat us up, and there's nothing like seeing boot tracks or seeing guys, but, you know, you just got to come up with your next play. Like, what's my next move? Okay, there's guys here. What's my next move? What's the next vantage point? Where do I need to move my camp? Do I need to just stay here and outweight these guys because they'll be gone? But, um, yeah, I mean, dealing with the pressure is one of the, the biggest challenges we'll face in Western hunting. For sure, man. I think you, you touched on something that I didn't mention too. Highlight is just, um, you know, DIY Western hunting is kind of, well, it is, it's like a multi-year venture. It's like a long game. You know what I mean? Like, um, you know, if you just want to like go and scratch an elk off your bucket list, uh, in one year or something, you might want to look at hiring a guide or something. Um, but if you're really in it and you want to do it, kind of do it on your own and figure it out and learn it and do public land and all that stuff. And not saying that that's like the right way to do it or anything, but if that's what you want to do, um, especially in terms of, you know, accumulating points and getting tags on stuff, it's a long game, man. Um, and you gotta be prepared for that. That's so true, Hunter. Yeah, that's um, such a great point. It is a long game. It's a commitment to it and it's building the yeah. skill sets to find success and it doesn't you know we're talking antelope hunting it took me three years when i started hunting antelope with my bow to kill my first buck it was a multi-year quest and Mm. it takes years to build these skills and it's not about getting lucky like sure there's some luck involved in hunting but to be consistently successful is to build your skill sets to where you show up in these units and in these trailheads and you're undeniable you know you right. you built the skill you built you know you're in great shape you you've got great uh, uh mental prowess you've got you know you, you you've done your map research you've spent time in the unit you you've shot your bow you're really good at shooting at critters you built all these skills to a point where it's going to culminate in in arrowing Mm -hmm. a mature buck you know and so i really believe that and and it is such a long game that you can't just decide you want to be a good hunter in a month even a year even three years five years like it this is the long game just like you stated and and when i first started doing this i was so committed to the game and improving my skill sets and being in good shape but i was doing all this work and all all of it was nobody was watching. Nobody was paying attention to me running. If you know, in fact, yeah. people would look down on me, like uh, uh, spending so much. Like, why are you running for hunting, or why are you spending <laughs> so much time trying to kill an elk when you can just go on this ranch and go shoot a bull down here? Why would you work so hard at it? But I had this greater cause and this greater mm. adventure in my soul that I wanted fulfilled. And so I just put For in sure. all the work. But, yeah, people see the success now, you know, and can look on social media and see posts of good bowls and good bucks. But but realize, too, that this has been a 25-year quest of me committing my life to bow hunting, doing everything in mm. my power to be as good as I can be. And, and you're just seeing me at the, the top of the mountain after 25 years of doing that. But it wasn't always this way. I I have failed a bunch yeah. every way from Sunday. For sure. And, you know, it's it sounds like a cliche, but it's so true that, like, it, it really is about so much more than just the killing of the animal. I mean, um, you know, I like shooting animals. It's fun. I mean, that's a huge, huge part of hunting. Um, but um, there's something different about it when you – when you do, you show up at that trailhead and it's full of trucks and, you know, you stay positive and you, 
um, and you keep going anyway. You don't, you know, you don't get negative and turn around and go home. You keep going anyway, and you say, you know what, I'm going to go deeper, or I'm going to stay longer. And then, you know, you might have uh, four days of not seeing a critter, and then you're just, ugh. But you hang in there, and then when it does happen, oh my goodness, like that. There's just that payoff, that reward, that feeling of accomplishment, of you know, I did this. I found these animals. You know, um, it's just uh, it's a it's a different. Just I feel more complete experience. Yeah, um, you're you're spot on again. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is. It's um, so fulfilling and rewarding, and and that is. You know, we're always driving hard to harvest these animals, and I love being immersed in the challenge. But, but truth is, is you you got to fall in love with the adventure and fall in love with the yeah, process. Yeah, that's the adventure. Yeah, and and some of my favorite hunts are my unsuccessful hunts. You know, hunts where I just grinded. I remember Wyoming running out of food for the last two days and pushing Ooh. so hard on stocks for uh, ten, eleven days with my best buddy in there who arrowed a great buck, like. We we pushed so hard, but one of my favorite hunts. I mean, even last year I fell short in Colorado, missed a great buck. One of my favorite hunts of the year. Like, um, you oh, do man. have to fall in love with the adventure and the process, and you walk away with so much more. Even if you never arrow a deer, never arrow a bull, the life lessons and the the oh, yeah. You know, you're able to carry that back into your normal life, that toughness, that grit. It carries over to everything you do in life. And so that grit that you obtain through hard work and through suffering and and uh, uh, through through mental anguish like that, that all comes into play later in life. And so really, you know, built me into the human that I am is just going through that in the backcountry. And so it is important, like I you know, we, we all have a mission and we all want to arrow a good critter, but it, it there is a bigger picture there. And um, really, yeah. it's to enjoy our time in the mountains, enjoy this adventure, enjoy time away from work and, and being immersed in this, in the ultimate challenge, you know, where you're not thinking about anything else. It's just how I can arrow this buck or this bull and, and what's my next play and theorizing like, man, that's when I feel alive. So I think you're right. Like, Sometimes we have to pick up our head and look at the view around us as well and not just be so goal-focused or goal-driven. And I, I'm trying to get better at that as I get older, yeah. a, a really enjoying the entire experience, uh, good, yeah. bad, or indifferent. Yeah, you, you reminded me of like um, something that I talked about on my first podcast episode I ever did is I remember like as a kid um, and before I really started mountain hunting um, – Sometimes when I would look at like a mountain range, for example, or like a beautiful ridge line or something, you know, it's just like a wild area. Um, I would get this like really deep, like sense of like, it's, it's kind of hard to describe, but like sadness, um, like, like sorrowful kind of feeling. And I didn't know what it was about, but what I've found, I found it through Western hunting is I think that was feeling, you know, that deep-seated need for adventure and that need for connection with nature and like the wild places and the wild, the wild creature that is really inside every person deep down. Some people bury it more than others, um, but I found that like I found the cure for that sad feeling, and the cure is like getting in the mountains and like 
becoming part of the ecosystem, <laughs> you know, like, like just, uh, suffering and hunting and, um, and it's not always fun in the moment. Um, but I don't get that feeling anymore. Um, now when I look at a mountain range, you know, I might think of the possibilities or I might have the confidence to know that I'm physically capable of climbing up that if I wanted to, you know, maybe before I wasn't physically capable, um, or didn't have the confidence to do it. Um, but now like through Western hunting, I don't get that weird, sad feeling anymore. when I look at something like that. I don't know. Does that make any sense? It does. Yeah. It's, um, I, I don't share those thoughts, but that's beautiful. Like the way you stated it, we are as human beings, we are meant to connect with nature and, and we're meant for adventure and meant for challenge. Like it does mm -hmm. like us Western hunters are us guys that find our passion and find that what we truly love and we put everything into it. And it's not backed by uh, monetary benefits or it's not backed by uh, uh uh, social media clout or it's you know it's backed yeah. by the the love of being in the mountains and like you say being part of that ecosystem and and part of that adventure and that true challenging yourself and and we're capable of so much more than we ever ask ourselves to do like uh, yeah. You know, I, I can remember tough pack outs where, you know, I didn't know if I, I remember one where I didn't want to sit down anymore because I didn't think I could get back up. You know, it's, <laughs> it's like you push yourself to your absolute limits and so blown up and sore the next day. But it feels yeah. so good and so rewarding. Like I I, I think um, as humans, uh, it's the greatest purpose we can have is to find something we truly love and uh, put mm -hmm. all our effort into it. And the harder you work and the more you put into something, uh, the more it means to you when you when you achieve that goal or when you when you come out on top. And so, um, you know, for for Absolutely. us, me and you, we found backcountry hunting and for some other guy, it may be golf or something, but I just can't think that. You get the same reward out of golf that we get out of backcountry. <sighs> no way. <laughs> <laughs> no way, man. Yeah, oh, man, it's great. I was just, yeah, I was just thinking about when you were talking about that pack out. This, this, I was just in Idaho, and man, we we had to cross, you know, cross canyon. We shot a bear cross canyon. Had to go down, raft across, go up, get the bear, go down, raft across again, and go back up. And it was like, you know, like forty degree slopes and just deadfall and uh man it was it was one of the hardest things i've ever done it took us we shot the bear at noon and we didn't get finished packing out till you know 8 p.m and i'm sure that people listening probably have had way longer worse pack outs but it was probably one of the hardest things i've ever done or i can't think of a day that i did more physically there may be one but i can't think of it um but yeah i mean that's just a cherished memory i have now so but anyway what a grind uh but oh, that, that's living life i bet um I, I bet you have such great memories of that hunt and that bear and the adventure of it and crossing yeah. that river like uh and that was the first time i ever pack rafted across a river so oh wow <laughs> it's like it's like yeah it's like plus one life skill i can now pack raft across a river <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty gnarly when the first time you have to do it is to go get that bear, too. And it's one thing to yeah. make a plan, and you're going to do it, and I practice in lakes. It's another thing when you blow that thing up, and there's class four whitewater down below you, and you push off <laughs> oh, the dude. shore and try to figure yeah. it out, you know? I had never even touched a pack raft until we were about to cross this thing, me and Mark Livesey. And luckily, it was a pretty, like, 
tame patch that you, that we were able to cross. But like you said, like if you you know if you missed it and went too far down, like it was gonna be bad. <laughs> I did. Um... I'll do crosses as well, and I need to get one of those pack rafts, man. Those things are sweet. Oh, they're, they're so cool. I ordered one, too. They're so – I mean, they just open up like, you know, 90% of the bears we saw were across Canyon, um, and we wouldn't have been able to, to shoot them, you know, if we didn't have those things. They just open up a lot of possibilities, and, um, you know, I was kind of skeptical, to be honest, but, dude, they blow up super fast, and – they're really easy to maneuver, and and I was really impressed. Which one did you guys use? So we had the alpaca rafts. Um, I was in a caribou as the model, and Mark had a mule. I think they were actually Ryan's rafts, but um, and of course they were all like taped up with Tyvek tape and everything. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, they, I ordered the um, the caribou. Okay. And you can put stuff into the tube to keep it dry. I've so seen I like put my camera gear into the tube, and uh, yeah, I was I was really impressed. And then even coming back, you know, with um, you know, I had my rifle, I had camera gear, and I had three quarters of the bear, um, and that thing took me back across no problem. That's amazing. Yeah, I got to look into those. I know alpaca alpaca was um. They were talking about uh, partnering with the with the podcast at one point. I was super oh, cool. excited. I I thought I was gonna gonna get one of those <laughs> things and be able to use it and um, give them some feedback. But yeah, uh, uh, either way, I need to look into getting one of those rafts. But I have used rafts uh, a bunch for crossing, and, and it's so funny. Uh, Lampers being all taped up. I wouldn't expect anything less from them. That's great. You got to use oh, yeah. your stuff. But um, I I just used those. Um, it was before the pack rafts came out, and I still. Use them to this day but little pool rafts and so oh, really? they make little one and two man pool rafts that you can blow up that are fairly lightweight and they've got the oars oh, cool. that connect together and and really they work pretty good and um yeah i was i was crossing a river and um i, I did there is a class four white water down below there's a bunch of rapids down below and um, so you blowing this thing up and and uh, i was also going for a bear and so blow this thing up and uh, the the paddles kind of screw together, and uh-huh. um, so they've got a, a a middle section that or an upper section, a lower section that screw together, and then also the paddle screws into the bottom. They go into the the oar rights, and then you're ready to oar across there. And so I set up that pad that raft, but I'm in a hurry, and um, I push off from shore. And as I'm rowing, and this one doesn't have the kayak paddle. This has got actual two oars, like a drift boat oh, okay. or like a wow. raft. Okay. And um, so I go to start paddling over to the other side, and I get about 10, 15 feet off the bank, and all of a sudden, like, one of my oars is not working. Like, every time I go with my right oar, it just spins. And what's happening Uh. is the oar blade didn't get seated in there hard enough so every time i oar it's spinning and loosening so i'm about ready to lose one of my paddles out there and i didn't realize it till about six or eight paddles where it's not going and it's about spun off to where now i've just got a free float down kick out that oar and put it in the raft and then kick out the other oar and just oar like military style out one or two sides to make it back to the other side to put my gear together but that was like one of the times it kind of got sketchy in one of those but that's way better than what I used to do. When I first started crossing, I used an inner tube, my waders, and a rain jacket and kicked across oh, the man. river. 
And um, I've never been so exhausted in all my life. It was like it was like I was sprinting for my life. Like as I started to swim, it was so tough to move across the river. It wasn't a good plan from the start. But uh, yeah. trying to go across the river and water's coming up and hitting my rain jacket. And I've got my waders and I'm hanging in the water, wearing my pack with my my bow on my back and and crossing that way. But uh, I quickly learned that the pool raft was a way better option. But now I've definitely got to check out those alpacas, man. That seems like the way to go. Yeah, they were nice, man. And Mark had never used one either. So it was both of our first times ever, like, touching one of these things. But um, to their credit, they are very user-friendly, and um, and I made it. I got a little wet, but I made it. Yeah, uh, Mark <laughs> lives uh, life to the fullest as well, man. That That guy loves adventure. Oh, dude, yeah, man, I was super impressed. Like, he's, like, what, like, 55 or something, 56 years old? And, um, I mean, dude used to run, like, triathlons. I think he did, like, Ironmans and stuff. Um, so, like, he's got he's got the muscle under there. But at this point, it's under a, um, let's say this nicely, a natural weight vest. Um, <laughs> he's got a little belly. But, dude, that dude straight up, um, he did – I mean, he climbed stuff that most guys his age are not climbing. I'll just put it that way. Um, great dude. Absolutely. That guy's got grit, loves adventure, and he spends a bunch of time in the mountains. I remember, maybe it wasn't last season, but the season before, he had like five elk tags that he was five elk hunts he was going <laughs> on. But he's he's really, you know, back to our point of of living a, a bow hunter's lifestyle. Like he's really catered his life around what he loves to do, and so he gets a bunch of time yeah. in the mountains in the fall. And um, such a wizard at e scouting, uh, but such a great hunter as well. And um, yeah, he may not look like a professional athlete as far as his physique, but that guy can go. Oh, he can, man, for sure, absolutely. Yeah, uh, how cool to. You know, and a, a lot of the enjoyment from this as well is, like, the people we get to share it with. Like, backcountry Absolutely. hunters, it takes such grit and such determination. It just seems like everyone I run in, I, I don't run into very many dicks, you know? It's like, I mean, you do, <laughs> but it's like they're just usually, like, good guys that you really want to spend time with, that you really enjoy spending time with. And that camaraderie, like, you, you spend time in the mountains like that and not – you know, not that it's comparable to military service or anything like that, but the the things that you go through with your hunting buddy, you suffer together, oh, yeah. you go through bad weather, trials and tribulations, like you go through tough times together, and and um, so so you build like this really strong bond, you know, that yeah, you, you that you can't do out having a beer with somebody or you can't do it at a barbecue. Oh, yeah. Like it, it's this real strong bond, strong connection, strong friendship. Mm -hmm. And there is nothing funner to me than sharing a good hunt with, with good buddies. And even, you know, through me trying to film hunts and me trying to uh, go solo and I've got all these huge ambitions. It's I make time every year to make sure I'm hunting with my buddies and I'm taking them to, you know, the very best spots that I've ever found to, to share in the share in the fun. They love it as much yeah. as I do and would do anything for me the same I would do for them. And there's nothing I cherish more than sharing this hunt with my good buddies, man. It, it really makes yeah. the adventure. No, I agree, man. Plus you're picking ticks off each other and, you know, sleeping right next to each other practically sometimes. But, um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've tried, I've did one short, but I did one very short backcountry solo hunt here in Virginia in the mountains. Um, and I think it's something worth doing. I think 
I think you do some of that, don't you? Do some solo hunting? Yeah, definitely a mix and match for me. Yeah. So that's cool. I like it, I I enjoy hunting with other people a lot more, and maybe that will change and evolve over time as I get more confident. But um, for me, it's just like more enjoyable when you can share it with somebody. And you're spot on too. I remember, um, let's see, like not this year, this past hunting season, but the one before that, I went with Dan Staten. I was filming for him on like a nine day hunt. And so we did a podcast together and then I showed him some of my stuff, um, my video stuff. Cause I have a background in video production and, um, he kind of was looking for somebody to film and just sort of took a chance on me cause we kind of connected on the podcast and, um, it was just, it was just crazy. Cause it's like, I never met him. You know, we had one conversation and then it's just like, all right, I show up at this airport. He picks me up. And then going from never meeting this guy to literally spending nine straight days from like dark to dark. And like you said, suffering and climbing mountains and, and just grinding, um, and you know, spending a lot of time together. And, and then at the end of it, he's like, dropped me off at the airport and he was gone. And it was like, it was just like this really strange, like feeling, you know, I'm, I'm getting more accustomed to it, but it's still strange. Like even after this, this bear hunt, even just like coming back into society, but like going from like not meeting someone, then like spending 10 days, like going through hell and, you know, ups and downs, not that hunting is hell, but you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um, and then, and then abruptly being kind of thrust back into like, you know, modern world and like on an airplane, it's just like the strangest feeling, man. It is so strange. Yeah. It, it is, um, it, it is wild. Like what you go through and the connection that you build with somebody when you hunt together and, and the worse the situation gets, like the funnier it is. It's like this dark humor. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't, I don't know that you're supposed to laugh at bad situations, but it always just makes me crack up. Like whether yeah. it's hunting pressure, Sometimes it's all you can do. Oh my gosh. It's just some of the, the funniest things I, I've, I've, uh, ever laughed at, you know, or with buddies when we're, when we're suffering through mm -hmm. a big storm or days worth of storms or whatever it is. And, and, yeah, and those are the things you remember the most. A lot of times mm -hmm. is the crappy parts. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then, and those, it, it is tough to, 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 to get back into society and back into, um, yeah. Uh, the groove of things. And I, I almost dread it like the last day going back to work, you know, because I know that I, I've been gone for 10 days and I know that I've got a bunch of things to handle and I've got to get back. But I remember mm -hmm. doing like a solo hunt that I did in Nevada, like a great big solo hunt where I did like 11 days and I wow. arrowed one of my best bucks at the end of the hunt, but I was by myself for 11 days in the wilderness That's crazy. and, uh, just alone with my thoughts back there. And, and, uh, uh, such a challenge to shoot this buck. I had like three stocks on them, you know, two blown stocks. And then eventually the one that came together and covered so many miles. And, and, and I was young in my hunting career too. It just took so much grit, determination. And I, I just remember going through that hunt and then, um, I killed that great buck day 11 and, uh, I hiked him out 
And I remember getting to the trailhead and running into a couple Forest Service guys or something, you know, and I, of course, I had this great big buck on my back and they wanted to talk. <laughs> like, I forget, I forgot how to talk to people yeah. in 11 You're days. All awkward I and hadn't stuff. said a word in 11 days. I had been inside my head for so long wow. that I, that I forgot how to, how to interact <laughs> or communicate with others at the time. But I just You're remember just like, how strange, yeah, just grunts and it just yeah. sounds like a back to the primitive me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, but I, it did, it felt so strange. I, I just remember that moment of like trying to get back into society, but it is weird when you're in the wilderness and you're grinding and it's all leg power and backpack and you carry all your meals. You got to get your water self-sufficient. And then you come back and you're just in a vehicle and you turn the tap and you jump in the shower and you, you, you make yeah. dinner or order dinner and it's right there for you. Like life is so nerf, but it, it makes you really appreciate those things. Like when you go through that, yes. that, uh, and it's not hell, but it's a lot of suffering. Like you said, it's not fun all the time. Like you just no, got to yeah. grind a lot of times. Like the fun can be a very small portion of the hunt. Uh, it's type two fun. Uh, but mm-hmm. you, you get back and boy, it sure makes you appreciate your life. It makes you appreciate your house and your family and your friends and your, it just makes you appreciate everything more, uh, when, when you go through tough times like that to where in everyday life, you know, whether it's work or stress or it's day in, day out, I just don't have that same appreciation for water coming out of my tap. But after a 10-day hunt, 11-day hunt, it's just yeah. like, man, this is amazing. Clean water out my tap. I don't got to hike down to that uh, elk wallow and try to filter out water or whatever the case <laughs> is, you know. But, yeah, yeah it, is, it is wild. It's tough to get back to the back to society after we're – we're uh, there for so long. Yeah, I mean, if you think about like the average, po- like the average population in America or any like Western country, like eleven days alone in the wilderness is like insane. That's like that's like they that's like a traumatic experience, like that they almost died or something. You know what I mean? Like, like it's almost like a PTSD coming off that. I mean, you know, we do it because we love it, but most people, that's like insanity uh, i remember like that same trip new mexico getting back to my hotel room turning the tv on and like looking at it like what are these strange beings talking about and just like turning it off instantly like no thank you um but yeah man you really not only do you appreciate stuff more but also like i feel like it gives you like a clearer sense of who you are i feel like when you're you're at home and you're you know doing your job and you're doing your family stuff like you're pulled in a lot of directions you're, you're having to do a lot of stuff for other people and you're you're kind of in your context and you're kind of sort of um, keeping homeostasis around you like but when you're out there you're kind of plucked up out of your normal life and context and like put in the mountains it strips all that distraction and other crap away and like sort of refines you and like shows you what's really you and what's not just like you blending into your family or your friends or your work or whatever. It's like, this is who you really are when you're out there. Um, not saying that we're not real when we're back in society, but it shows you like, I feel like you get a really clear sense of, of who you are. Yeah. It's, um, 
it's well said. Uh, it is like a psychedelic trip back there. <laughs> like you, you can't hide from yourself. Like all of a sudden, yeah. everything that you do is at the forefront of your mind. It gives you such perspective in your life and who you are. And, and you're right. Like four or five days in by yourself, you you can't hide from yourself anymore. Like you have to face things and face things that's going on in your life. Um, so it does. I I find that same thing that it gives me such perspective on my life yeah. and such perspective that I can't get in my everyday life. Even if I just go sit outside in nature and and think, I just can't get oh, yeah. to that. I can't get to that same place that I get five days in of being immersed in the wilderness. Um, For sure, it, it is crazy. It gives us such perspective and and also such great direction of who we want to be and what we want to mm-hmm. be for the future. Like you know it. You know, who I was 10 years ago is not who I am today. And we have the ability to change that. And that perspective in the mountains of looking down on my life and going, you know, this is what I need to do to, to be a better father, a better husband, or this is what I need to do in, in work or to get more enjoyment out of my life, or this is my next move. I need to focus yeah. on this. Uh, gives me such direction when I come home that, that it's almost like a, uh, cheating at life to be able to get that kind of perspective. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's, it's a trip for sure. I'd recommend people trying it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just not where I'm at. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe don't go for 11 days by yourself the first time, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's well and and the, the beautiful thing is, is that there's plenty of room for us out there. Like they're mm. even talking public land, even talking high pressure spots. Like I've hunted some of the highest pressure units, P, units that people tell you not to go into cause there's too many people around and I'm still able to go find my own experience back there. I'm able to find this, this niche in, in the country where nobody's at and I'm at. Yeah. And um yeah. there's just um that you know I don't think like even with with a bunch of new hunters coming in I think that will always exist is that there's always going to be new spots to find and even in my home valley that I've explored for 20 three years or whatever it is, you know, I, I, there's still more exploring to do. There's more places, there's more honey holes. Like I find new spots every season that are amazing hunting and, and spots also change spots that were good and take a couple bucks out of there. And, uh, or maybe people find out about it or more pressure, like everything's always changing and you have to, you have to flow like water. Like you have to just constantly be evolving and theorizing and trying to find that next spot. Like the key to being a consistently successful hunter is not having this great hunting spot or great hunting location. It's able to have the skills to be able to find great hunts in great locations. Mm. It's the yeah. ability to be able to go in these different habitats with different species into new places and, and be able to, to, to find the good hunting spots. And, and I think like, like we had talked about, like our, we have adventurous souls. Like we like going new places, at least for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I do hunt, you know, the same places and I'll go there, but I always want to explore different basins or learn more about it. And then I'm always taking on these new places and these new hunts and exploring. Uh, like I think we're yeah. explorers by nature. And so, you know, the key to being consistently successful is to build your skills so you can go to new spots and you can find these honey holes because they, they exist in nearly, you know, in every state, nearly every unit, there's some good hunting to be had. 
Yeah, man. And I liked it. I liked that. I liked how you're positive. And, you know, there's always people that are like, oh, you know, the sky's falling. There's no more good hunting. Da-da-da. But, yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that I – what drew me to Western hunting um, and what I love about it is if you're willing to put in the work – you know, there are still opportunities to find amazing, wild, nearly untouched places. You know what I mean? Like, it's out there. Um, there's still adventure to be had. There's still, um, you know, new places to see um, if you're willing to work for it, you know. And um, so that's that's just one of the things that I love about it. You know, it's, uh, it's not easy, but um, nothing in life that's worth doing is easy usually. 100 percent that's exactly right <laughs> yeah so um working guys are you still doing video work like with mark this year are you doing video work in uh western hunting at all yeah man i got a full plate this year so i started um so yeah still doing the podcast um but i you know like i said i have a professional background in videography and producing um, so I kind of blended those two. I put my first film together, uh, in 2021, did a, uh, Sitka blacktail hunt on Kodiak and I self filmed it, um, kind of threw together some secondhand gear and some rental gear. And, um, I wasn't planning on filming it when, when we booked the trip. Um, actually it was a, it was a Christmas present from my wife. I didn't even know about it. Um, she like surprised me with this trip and I was like, well, if I'm going, like I need to film this thing. Um, so I did that and, um, the, the hunt, the story just told itself, man. I mean, it was such a good story. We shot a, a decent buck on like the first full day. And then like, we had like four days of terrible weather and like barely didn't see hardly a buck for like four days. And then the last morning we we're about to get flown out. I mean, my buddy doubled up like shot two bucks within about 30 seconds of each other and the one he shot is the 11th biggest sick of black tail ever recorded killed on kodiak um got the whole thing on film and so the film turned out really cool and uh brian call from gritty saw it and liked it and um wanted to kind of start working together some so he actually ran that film on the gritty youtube channel it's on mine as well but has way more views on his of course um so this year um, I did that hunt with Mark and Ryan and Brad um, as kind of a contractor for for Gritty. Um, so I'm doing some contract work for them, uh, both you know in the field as well as on the editing side of things. Um, but also, um, I'm really happy that it's working out that way because I'm able to continue building my own brand and kind of do some of my own projects too. Um, so I'm probably going to do. Um, I haven't decided I'll, I might go film for somebody might go film with Brad hunt or somebody in September. Not sure. Um, or I haven't decided yet. I might do an antelope hunt and kind of do my own thing. Um, and then I'm doing a Idaho deer hunt in late October with a buddy, Luke Dusenberry, who is another very talented videographer and producer. And we're both going to, we're going to take turns filming each other and hunting. So I'm looking forward to that one. Um, and then I'll be back in Montana, like I said, in November, probably with um, Brian and Ryan and Mark and those guys, but not 100% sure yet. Um, and then I'm going to be going uh, on a coos deer hunt with uh, Brian and Brad and Ryan in January. So got a, kind of a combination of doing some 
contract work and teaming up with gritty some and then also continuing kind of to do some of my own stuff so um and even working on some cool plans for 2023 a project that i got kind of that i booked but um yeah man lots of good stuff on the plate and and just really looking forward to it just kind of going going full send um trying to make this thing work i got kind of a limited time frame um (laughs) financially so uh, i'm kind of i'm kind of betting on myself that i can uh make it work in the next two years then if if i can't then we're gonna have to kind of uh reevaluate things at that point but right now i'm going full send (laughs) good for you man that's um that's awesome to hear is that do i remember that right that you invited me on that kodiak hunt too I did. Yeah, I thought I remembered that. I can't believe After, I passed yeah. on the opportunity. That eleventh in the world could have been mine. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, that was such. No, that was like a super long shot. I was just getting going. You were one of the first, like you know, big name guys that came on the show, and um, and I was planning that trip, and I was like, ah, eh, might as well just throw it out and see if he wants to come and. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, maybe we can link up some other time in the future for something. Definitely. And if I remember right, I seriously considered it. I must have had another hunt book no, or yeah, something else going. Yeah, you, you you did seem like you were actually thinking about it. And I was like, oh, man, he might actually do this. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, that's cool, man. Like I said, that'd be cool if we could team up on something in the future, though. I'd love to. Yeah, I'd love to team up on a project. or um, Yeah, yeah. we just got to keep in touch. Um, for sure. I really want to go check out that Blacktail film now that you did. Oh man, I, I'd love for you to check it out, and I'd love to hear what you think about it, man. It's uh, you know, it's it was it's my first uh, hunt film, so there's some stuff I would have done differently in terms of cameras I use and stuff like that, but um, you know, did it on kind of a shoestring budget, and it was my first thing, and but it it turned out pretty good, man. Um, I'm proud of it, so I'd love to I'd love to hear what you think about it. Yeah, and I I just um. Man, I love your commitment to the game and commitment to like trying to build the uh, the best life you can for yourself. Like uh, that's how you get there is taking chances, you know. And yeah. um, you've you've got a couple years. You've been at it a couple years. Like um, uh, you're connecting with the right people. You're putting yourself out there, uh, filming stuff. Like um, man, it's such a a beautiful thing. Like the way you're uh, attacking life. And there's no doubt in my mind that that you'll make it through podcasts, through the filming, through all of it. Or or who who knows? Maybe another door will open too. You just never know what's going to happen, you, right? You never know with life, man. But yeah, I'm just going to keep keep grinding, and um, yeah, I'm definitely blessed. You know, I think I think God's blessed me, and um, and uh, yeah, I'm just gonna just gonna go for it. Like you know, I I don't have any preconceived notions of ever being rich. I don't you know like nothing like that. But if I can you know do what I love live uh like you said live a life that i that i love and and be able to provide a you know a decent income for my family um and and, you know provide for my family and do what i love that's that's the goal man so so that's what i'm going for we'll see (laughs) good on you well we'll keep in touch let me know if i can help in in any other way and uh, make sure to check out hunter's podcast uh the hunter's quest podcast you do a great job on there great interviews great guests and oh, um, thanks, man. so, man, it's um, it's awesome to see you succeed. And uh, I only see more success in your future. So thanks so much, man, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Oh, man, the pleasure is mine. Thanks for having me, brother. I really appreciate it. You bet. OK, we'll talk soon. All right. Sounds good. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Fun conversation with Hunter. Man, he's a, a, a good human being and a good hunter made for a great conversation. So thanks to him for taking the time and being on. Um. 
With that, I just want to thank our sponsors one more time. So uh, I want to thank Savage Arms, great out-of-the-box accuracy. That new 6.5 I have is just amazing. So they have their 110 Ultralight. They also have different platforms for every different price point, and they all come out-of-the-box super accurate. Uh, also want to thank Outdoor Edge Knife, a great replaceable blade knife. You're in the market for that. Check them out. Uh, they make pretty sturdy blades, and so uh, it seems like they'll take more force. They don't break very easy and uh, also super sharp. Uh, also check out my man Earl Stroll with Cutter Stabilizers. Best stabilizers in the market. Been using these the last handful of years. Uh, he's really evolved these stabilizers to be the best. Um, really helps with my hold and helps with the reaction of the bow, so go check them out at Cutter. Uh, check out our live event. Uh, again, we're going to be at Fieldcraft Survival at Herber City, Utah. You can get tickets at Fieldcraft Survival on their website. That's going to be July 20th, which is a Wednesday. Uh, we're going to be speaking in the evening, so it will be after work. And then um, I believe we speak at uh, Black Rifle Coffee Company the next night. So, um, yeah, going to be busy there for a couple days. That's right the week of TAC, um, Total Archery Challenge in um, – uh, just out of Salt Lake there. So hopefully you guys are getting some 3D courses. I know I've got a ton of 3D shooting here the last three weekends um, working with Ryan in these Western hunting summits. He sure um, makes a great course, you know, uneven footing, uh, uh, brush in the way, shooting over grass, uh, no shortage of challenges, but there's just no better practice for season coming up. So I think I've ran through about six uh, rounds of these 3d courses so i am dialed and shooting real well uh so um got my uh, got those all finished up so i'll be back to scouting here and really looking forward to uh just enjoying the process of having a moose tag this year in a great mountain range um got some good muley tags i've just lucked out and uh got a full season so super pumped for that i've just got a God, I got to clone myself so uh, my clone can go to work and I can go hunting. But uh, it's going to be a busy year, but um, I'll, I'll, I've been a weekend warrior before. I'll be able to take some time like, um, man, I'm going to go hunt my butt off and have some fun and enjoy the mountains. So uh, looking forward to that as I'm sure you guys have some upcoming adventures. So, um, man, it's, um, it's going to be here before we know it. Uh, fourth is coming up here on Monday and after the fourth, seems like the summer's about over. It seems like it just got here. Um, I'd love to get out and do a little, um, salmon fly fishing. Uh, hope it's in the cards for some evenings to make some floats. I know they're starting to show up here, so, uh, that would be fun as well. And, um, man, just keep working away. Keep working towards hunting season here. So, um, thanks so much you guys for the support of the podcast. We just continue to grow it. Uh, really appreciate, uh, your recommendations to friends, the reviews on iTunes or whatever platform you guys, um, listen to support a social media. Oh, we've got that mule deer school is coming up. We're getting ready to launch it. So you guys may have seen the promo video on my social media. Man, it's so cool. I'm so excited to release this thing. Uh, we put a bunch of time and effort into it. Uh, it's uh, got over 80 years combined experience with me, Dan Picard, Guy Eastman, uh, pretty much everything we know about mule deer. And I think this is the... Uh, this is the new age media. So there's books out there. I've always wanted to write a book, but I had this idea to do uh, this 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 platform where um, it's going to be like a book where you can read through different chapters, different texts, everything I know about mule deer hunting. 
And then um, it, with the, along with that text, we're going to have photos. And then there's going to be uh, over 75 videos. So we'll be talking about stalking mule deer, and then we'll be able to cut to a video of showing that actual stalk on a mule deer and how we operate or how we get close and the speed and the whole deal. Um, so it, it's going to intermingle in these videos uh, that are going to uh, really – you know, describe what we're talking about or show what we're talking about. And then along with that, uh, at the end of every chapter, I sit down with Dan Bacar and we do 10, 15 minute recap, kind of like a small podcast where we talk about the crucial points of that chapter of getting close to mule deer. Um, man, I'm, I'm so proud of all the content we put together. Can't wait to see the final product. So we're just like a week or two away. I believe we're going to be launching it here early July. So I'll let you guys know about that, but, um, super excited and, uh, hope it helps you guys on your, on your mule deer journey and hope that it, um, is received well and uh, I can do more of them in the future. So uh, thanks to you guys for all the support, social media and everything. I sure appreciate you. I hope you have some uh, adventures you're looking forward to like I am. And um, man, with that, that's a wrap. So um, check in with you guys next week.